Honestly, one of the greatest battles of my adult life has been trying to find the time and motivation for cooking, and that's why I'm so obsessed with Factor Meals. It's a meal kit where all the work is done for you, and they're offering my listeners 50% off with code HAPPIEST50. Factor delivers delicious, ready-to-eat meals that are fresh, never frozen, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved and my favorite part is that they're ready to go in just two minutes, which is a total godsend on a busy day. You know I'm a big believer in making our lives as easy as possible in sobriety and focusing on self-care. Having factor meals in my fridge has been such a great way for me to take care of myself. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed, so it makes dinner time so easy, and they're genuinely so delicious you will not be disappointed. It's also totally flexible for your schedule. You can choose your meals each week, get as much or as little as you need, and pause or reschedule delivery anytime. Head to factormeals.com slash happiest50 and use code happiest50 to get 50% off. That's code happiest50 at factormeals.com slash happiest50 to get 50% off. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a side of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Hello, everyone. I'm here with everyone's favorite guest who hates being introduced that way. Hi, <laughs> <My> mom. Hi, <laughs> anyone. <laughs> okay, I have. Wait, first of all, we have some important things to talk about off the top. Okay. Number one, my mom's mic just broke. So yes, <laughs> it did. she's using mm-hmm. her headphones. If this sounds bad, I apologize. And also, I already am so much louder than you. <laughs> <laughs> you have such a soft little voice and I don't so louder. you gotta talk louder maybe I'll try to talk quieter today um okay a few things off the top number one this is the 50th episode of this podcast oh I know right wow. Isn't that crazy that's exciting huh I know number two is yeah. a million times mm-hmm. more exciting yeah except that I realized I'm a terrible daughter why? Do you know why? No. Because I had this realization a couple weeks ago and I was horrified. Oh, what? My mom turned 40 years sober. Oh, I did? In September. Oh. <laughs> you turned 40 <laughs> years and we missed it. Right. And I'm st- I feel so – your freaking sober date is the day after Sasha's birthday, yeah. my sister – yeah. So it always gets like, I, well, I mean, you never used to acknowledge your milestones. It wasn't until I got sober that mm-hmm. I realized the importance of them and was like, what's your mm-hmm. date? I need to like make sure I'm remembering. We missed yeah. you 40 years. Wow. I didn't even realize that. Just came and went like any other day, which is really <laughs> kind of nice, right? Yeah, I know. It, it's a testament it's like to- nothing. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a testament mm-hmm. to how much sobriety is- just your life, but 40 years. So I want yeah. to give you a big shout out. <laughs> Thanks, Can honey. you believe? Yeah. No, I can't actually. That's just sounds like way too long. Right. Like that, That's which means crazy. makes me way too old. <laughs> <laughs> oh, You're funny. a superstar mom. Wow. 40 years. Thanks, honey, ben. Crazy. Yeah, um, really big one. 
Well, today, today we're, I, okay, you know what's so funny, mom, is that you brought up this topic to me, what, a few weeks ago now, maybe? Yeah. And since you and I talked about it, it -hmm. has come up so many times for me in talking to other people, like in the sober community as well. So I feel like it's a, it's a relevant, a relevant kind of topic that we're touching on today. Yeah. did you want to share? Because you had a conversation with a a person in their first year of sobriety that yeah. kind of brought this on, and yeah. I totally relate to it as well. Yeah, yeah. But just talking about, they were just saying like how they have a little bit uh, of imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. and which is just so hilarious, right? Mm-hmm. Like imposter syndrome, feeling like not imposter syndrome, like, as in, I don't think I have a problem, but definitely knowing that they have a problem or that drinking doesn't agree with them or that it's Mm -hmm. problematic, but feeling like they don't belong in the sober community because Mm. maybe they're not really, like, maybe they're not really as bad as everybody else. Like everybody Mm -hmm. else deserves to be there or to have support. Yeah. But that they're just being dramatic. Yep. Right? Isn't that mm-hmm. so funny? It's like yes. you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like, yes. Right? So anyways, yeah, we had just kind of a conversation about that, about how crazy that is and how much we sabotage ourselves with that. Like, right? Even though we were suffering with drinking, even though we don't want to go back to it. And uh, right? We still feel like we don't quite belong here. And I remember feeling that when I was first in uh, AA, uh, Mm. like I didn't want to go back to drinking. Like I really wanted to be there, Mm -hmm. but feeling like I don't deserve to be here. I'm not like everybody else is the real for me. It was the real Mm -hmm. alcoholic and I'm just the fake here and they're going to find out and then they're going to kick me out. And then what am I going to do? Right. It's It's a crazy, crazy thing. And especially for you, mom, you were 21 in AA. So like, you were just looking at like the point you would have gotten to had you kept going, no doubt. Yeah. Like you just got caught yours really early, but like, oh my God, it is the imposter syndrome in sobriety is so, so real. Like I remember feeling exactly that. I remember even saying to you, maybe I'm being dramatic. Do you remember me yeah. saying that to you? Yeah, I do. I do. I remember mm-hmm. saying maybe I'm being dramatic. I don't think I was that bad, like all of that stuff. And mm-hmm. like, you know what's so funny too is that even I get conflicted sometimes on like my own story in a weird way. Like oh, sometimes I feel like when I share the really hard stuff or like mm-hmm. the the bad parts of drinking or how much it made me suffer, mm-hmm. I feel like, oh, I'm making it seem like it's so much worse than it was. And then sometimes mm-hmm. when I share the, it wasn't that bad, I'm like, oh, am I yeah. making it seem not as bad as it was? Right, like, no matter right. what way I talk about it, I always feel like I'm e- either like making it seem worse or making it seem not as bad and like neither feels true. Yeah. And I think it's because both are true in some way. Like, you know right, what I mean? Right, like, right. Well, because it wasn't bad all the time. It yeah, was like when it was bad, drinking. it was bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right? so it's funny. Like, it's this weird, this weird feeling of like where do I fit where exactly do I fall on the spectrum like as if it even really freaking matters at the end of the day it doesn't um yeah but and then the other thing which I have heard some people say to me recently as well 
mm-hmm. which I felt so much. I remember having these moments of like, who do I think I am? Like, what am I doing? I'm a partier. I love drinking. Like, what yeah. the hell do I think I'm doing being this like sober person? Like, it would almost be like right. a moment of like, remembering my like wine loving self and thinking like oh my god like that's who I actually am like what almost like imagining like what would I think if I saw myself now and like just Um, feeling a little bit of that like identity crisis of like who do I think I am I'm not this sober person I love to drink like and feeling like that was my identity and then being like oh and that you don't and that you don't have a right like, is it like, I don't have a right to own this identity or that this, this sober self is the fake thing, the fake, like, what is it? I don't know. I haven't felt that in a long time. Mm -hmm. I feel like I felt it in my first year sometimes where it's almost just like, who do I think I am right now? Like, this isn't really me. I love to drink, you know, like just this funny moment of. Yeah. But isn't it so funny how we want to like, put ourselves in a corner or a box and say, this is it. You're not allowed to uh, like, and it's not even a conscious thing. I would say it's probably a lot more subconscious, but it's kind of like, you're not allowed to evolve. You're not Mm -hmm. allowed to become all you can be like Mm -hmm. you're this, even if it's changed for you, it's like Mm -hmm. crazy how, how we do that. I think there's something about sort of stepping into our own, I want to use the word like greatness in a way Mm. like, uh, and I want to say it in a humble way, like our Mm -hmm. greatness in terms of like all of who we are and all of who we can be. Right. It's like, there is something about doing that. I think because we're not quite there yet. Mm -hmm. Right. We're not quite there yet. So we feel like an imposter like Mm -hmm. that's not us or we're not allowed to be or um but it's not true right so it's just sort of identifying or reminding yourself I am always a work in progress I am continually evolving and I'm allowed to evolve I'm Mm -hmm. allowed to become more of what I want to be I don't have to stay in this pigeonhole place because I also think a lot of the part that prevents us from wanting to change is more about what we think other people are thinking about because everybody knew me as the drinker and what are they going to think I think that's the thing that interrupts it more than anything else right it's like that little committee in your head you know those certain little people whether it's like high school cool kids that you maybe never spoke to but right you felt like like they're judging you all the time in, yeah. in your head right wait i love mm-hmm. this committee thing cuz you told me about this years ago yeah and like it that's so good the way that you explained it to me is like when you are feeling insecure about what other people think of you yes being like who is the they who's that's running right. the show in your mind that's because right. often who is it everybody? is like yeah, mm-hmm. often it is literally like random people that from high school or people from whatever that you don't even talk to anymore, but you're right. like imagining and even just becoming aware of like when I'm thinking everybody's going to think this, who are the people? And I remember you That's saying right. to me like you have to fire that committee. Like yeah. fire gotta... the committee of people, choose who's on it. Like you're on my committee, yeah. mom. Like people yeah. Who are yeah. relevant in my life who have earned a spot are on my committee now yes it's like because mm-hmm. we do we have this little committee in our head that is like 
criticizing us or deciding, mm -hmm. you know, what's uh, like shouting approval or not, right? Mm -hmm. It's usually disapproval. So there's this small little group of people, like it's maybe one to five people that in our head run the show. So it's like when we say, oh my God, everybody's going to think, blah 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 you really do who's have it? to identify who's your everybody and yeah fire fire yeah. their asses, fire their asses <laughs> get a new committee in there right people who support you people of your mm. back people mm. who you look up to people yeah who, right yeah people yeah. yeah people you look up to like are the yes. people you're worried about judging you do you want their lives like do they inspire right. you have they like yes. earned that spot like let it be people who yeah are they who... kind human beings are yeah they people who have nurtured you no it's not mm -hmm. <laughs> right oh my god it's so good thing. yeah yeah but yeah that mm -hmm. worrying about feeling imposter syndrome because other people maybe viewed you in a certain way you know what helped yeah. me like a kind of mindset shift that helped me when I was feeling a little bit that like what who do I think I am? What do I think I'm doing? I love mm -hmm. to drink. Being like, yeah, I was that person who loved to drink. That's why yeah. I'm fucking here. <laughs> like, right. Being yes. sober doesn't take away that identity. That identity is what made me get sober. Yeah. Like, right? it's not that like, no, this isn't me. I love to drink. It's like, no, this is me because I love to drink too much. And that's what ended me up yeah. here. That's what made right, me end right, up here. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I get it. I get it. That's really good, too. How yeah. long do you think you felt that imposter syndrome when you joined AA? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I would say for for sure, like, like I want to say like a, a few years. Mm. A few years I kind of felt like, okay, because you, sorry, you question. You always question, right? Like yeah. how you think about it when you look back, you tend to minimize it. Right. You minimize all the terrible things. You, that's mm -hmm. why we keep drinking a lot of the times, because we're so good at minimizing. We're so good at denial. Right. Yeah. Like, oh, I didn't have that much to drink last night. I didn't make that big of a fool. You know what I mean? Like, that's how you end up drinking again, because mm -hmm. you've decided it wasn't actually that bad. So I think like this, this thing of um, minimizing so I could keep drinking also applied with, you know, minimizing um, how bad it was. So I didn't really feel like I was one of them. I, mm. I, that was a, that was a, um, like, it wasn't bad enough to be able to be in these rooms. Yeah. So um, even though I didn't ever want to drink again, right? Mm -hmm. But it's not funny. It's kind of the way we like, sabotage ourselves maybe isolate ourselves mm -hmm. right um but I would say a few years I think I felt like that until I really just decided like it it doesn't matter there is no there is no measure that says mm -hmm. you get to belong here I mean even the preamble of AA is the only requirement is a desire to stop drinking right right isn't that funny that that's in it and yet still that's the so only thing, a desire to start to stop drinking. But yeah, it's this, I think it is this tendency to always be comparing like the worst part of yourself to the best foot forward you see from everybody else, right? Yeah. And so even if the best foot forward in their rooms was their stories were horrendous, right? And mm -hmm. like my stories seem kind of like minimal, like I, right. I didn't get arrested. I didn't lose my house. I didn't lose a job. I didn't, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, which is the other reason they always say too, like, don't compare, you know, what you did, compare how you feel, or if you're going to identify with anything, identify with the feeling. Of it. 
Yeah. Because I think everybody's feeling is the same. That's why you're oh, yeah. quitting drinking, right? Exactly. Yeah. And mm-hmm. something else that I've heard that I really love is like, don't look for the differences, look for the similarities. Yeah. Yeah. Like don't, yeah. don't, which is just a different version of what you just yeah. said, but like, don't look mm-hmm. at what's different about your story. Look at what's similar, which usually yeah. is the feeling like even yeah. for me, mm-hmm. you know, how much Quitlet really helped me get sober. Mm-hmm. And like, I read like some of my favorite memoirs of people getting sober have serious rock bottoms that I never yeah. had, or like had things happen that I never had. Cause I really never, I never really had any external consequences to my drinking. Yeah. And, but like, yet still, even though I was reading these stories of people who did have that real kind of dramatic mm-hmm. down, like rock bottom, mm-hmm. um, I could still resonate with their stories because they're talking about it from their inner experience yeah. and their inner experience I could relate to. That's right. The shame, mm-hmm. the panic, the remorse. Yeah. That, yeah. All those, those feelings. That, yeah. 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 And I think, I think too, you know this whole thing of imposter syndrome, I think like at the core of it, it's always like it taps into self-worth, right? Mm -hmm. Like no matter which side you're on, it's sort of this like worthy piece. Like I I don't deserve, I'm not good enough to be here or I'm Mm -hmm. not good enough to be here. You know, Mm -hmm. which, whichever one it is, I think, I think that's also the work around it. Like if you're here, if you're in this community, if you're sober, if you're trying to get sober, right? Um, it's it's really uh, realizing there is no measure of how far down you have to be to um, to deserve to be here pursuing mm-hmm. sobriety, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. If mm-hmm. like no matter what your drinking was, if yeah. it's not working for you, and you yeah. don't want to do it anymore, then you belong in the sober community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. it really is. There's no level of bad you have to reach to be a part of it. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's so funny, mm-hmm. mom, speaking about um, being able to identify with those feelings of like the shame, mm-hmm. the remorse, the guilt, the mm-hmm. panic, the anxiety, all that stuff. I had like an interesting conversation last night with a sober friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were talking about like that. We were just kind of reminiscing on like waking up hungover and how awful it was. And I was saying like, mm-hmm. oh my God, I would wake up and literally like lunge for my phone and panic scroll. Like, <laughs> did I post anything? Did I message anyone? What? Like all of it. And it was so interesting. He was like, he said, it's it's so weird to imagine you doing that because mm-hmm. he goes, you just seem like, you seem so confident and you just seem like the type of person who could like, get drunk and laugh it off the next day and not mm. care what people think and be able to be like, oh yeah, haha, like got too oh. drunk last night. And I was right. like, I was never, ever, yeah. ever in my life able to do that. Like it yeah. always, oh God, maybe sometimes with when, in my earlier days, if I was just with my sisters, but there was always a little bit of anxiety yeah. there. There was never yeah. none. Um, but I was, I was saying, but like, I think the thing is, and you've said this really well before mm-hmm. with this, even with a specific story, I think that's part of what makes a problematic drinker mm-hmm. is no matter, even if you don't drink every day, even if you yeah. don't get drunk and do get a DUI or do, you know, do whatever, um, even if you don't hit like a rock bottom, I think that part of what makes someone a problematic drinker is 
waking up with that shame no matter what like yeah is yeah. not being able to laugh it off yeah yeah it's their it's it's their relationship with uh well so two things like you're right it was um my friend who I would drink with mm-hmm. and you know there was a couple of times we both had had you know like a way, way, way too much to drink. And a really funny thing actually happened. Like, you know, I know the story is funny. Like, you know, we laughed about it the next day, um, you know, about how silly we were. Wasn't but, it just like you were trying to get something out of a vending machine and you couldn't get your money tra- in, right? Yeah. Like something really well, silly. I was trying Is to get it? something out, but I hadn't put money in. I was too drunk. Oh. I didn't realize I hadn't put money in. So I kept like pushing the buttons. And you're like, why, waiting. Isn't-, why isn't it working? <laughs> Try again. Sure. You know, it's like a silly little thing. Yeah. And, then, and it's not um, with like, like it's with your best friend. It's not exactly. like with an acquaintance or a coworker and you embarrass no, yourself. No, yeah. And I wasn't with anyone else who knew me or who, you know, it was just a silly drunk kind of little thing but you know I was trying to just laugh it off with her the next day but I was mortified right she thought it was hilarious and I mean I know that she did because then when I went into AA like she was just always a great support for me and we talked about a lot about everything she just never felt any way ever Mm. next day after drinking and I think yeah I think I wonder if it's just you know different chemical makeup I right? think it you must just be. respond differently. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know. I'm not, I'm certainly not a medical or a scientist or a, anyone who knows, but it is interesting. Right. Yeah. And I think, yeah, that's the, that for me was the crippling part the next day, like trying to survive my own uh, demons about the fact that I was so drunk the night before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 I know. And I'm fascinated to like, People who really can get too drunk and then laugh about it the next day. Mm-hmm. Like that's all. I've always been like, I don't know how. But I think yeah. even that, like if you're somebody who is feeling imposter syndrome because you didn't get quote unquote bad enough, but like drinking yeah. caused you those feelings. Mm-hmm. Like I do think that is a marker for someone who can't drink like other people if it yeah. freaking wrecks you inside the next day. Yeah, I know because the trade-offs aren't worth it, mm-hmm. right? It's just not worth it. Yeah. And I think that that's something that doesn't lessen with time. I think the 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 shame just continues to grow, right? A yeah. thousand percent. Because yeah. that's what yeah. happened for me. Yeah. It was always there and it was always pretty bad. And then it got mm-hmm. worse and worse and worse to the point where like I even remember like at the end of my drinking days, I would have like a couple glasses of wine with my sisters and yeah. still be wrecked the next day. And I remember yeah. – Cassie, my sister now who's sober, um, (laughs) saying to me one day, she was driving me home after I drank at their place. And I remember her even saying like, Maddie, if you're going to keep like, if you're going to keep torturing yourself the next day, you should just stop. Cause like, this is crazy kind of thing. And you were like, what kind of crazy idea? I was like, excuse you. (laughs) (laughs) How dare you? Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, it's so fascinating, mom, that I was just sitting here thinking about is that when you used to talk to us about alcohol and like the signs of problematic drinking, Mm -hmm. you would talk about having no off switch and you would talk about the personality changes that you had. I latched onto that personality change thing for dear life because I didn't have a big personality change. So I was like, I'm fine. I'm a fun drunk. 
I'm okay. Don't have an off switch, but don't get angry. So we're good. <laughs> um, but I don't think, I don't remember you ever talking about the shame and the anxiety the next day. And I, and it's so funny because I think if you had like that would have, yeah. I would have been like, Oh no. Cause yeah. that was always my experience. Yeah. Always, always from the get go. Well, I guess when I was talking to you guys about it, I remember saying like, you know what, if you're going to drink, you know, once everyone was kind of old enough, except you got in a year early. I squeaked in youngest you child squeaked style. In, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was like, if you're going to do it, like have a drink, have one or two drinks, but pay attention to how you feel. Right. Like mm-hmm. really pay attention to how you feel. So I'm like naively assuming everyone's going to have a couple of drinks, be paying attention, noticing. Oh, like, honey, oh, sweetie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Like I didn't feel like I needed to give the next morning shame spiral story because I was like, really you were like, to believe, oh, they're going to have just a couple of drinks. Yeah. Right? They'll yeah, notice yeah. they're going to pay attention to what's happening. They're going to notice, like notice, do you want to keep going? That's and they did. something to pay attention to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so, um, but you know what? Next time round, next go round on this planet. <laughs> I'll remember. When I'm raising you all over again, <laughs> I'll bring, I'll bring and you. That, and that was time. not a criticism on you. No, or no, no, I, no, I, know, I, know, have. I know, I know. But I'm just like, oh, it's, it's so, so interesting funny. that 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 wasn't, yeah, yeah, a big part yeah. of the conversation. Yeah, because that yeah. ended up being the thing for me. The thing. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just really didn't anticipate you were going to get quite that far, but I guessed wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, um, you'll know with your kids. Yeah. Well, it's funny, though, them. even like really with how with, you know, binge drinking culture in university and talk about imposter syndrome. Like you and I did an yeah. episode where you interviewed me about my story yeah. and I struggled with that episode because I struggled to accurately try to convey how it was in university. Because on the one hand, I was like, yeah, like, I guess it was kind of I guess it was bad. Like I I, I would have black, I blacked out. I had a lot of anxiety. I, I like definitely had really bad anxiety and stuff in the morning. And I was like always down to drink and I was labeled one of the sloppy ones on yeah. my floor. But then like in the same breath, I'm like, but that was also so normalized. So yeah. I don't feel like I was like glaringly problematic in my university. You, you know what I mean? Like just, do you know what though? Do you know what I just thought? It's funny because, um, you know, are we trying to put like, uh, uh, like sum it up my drinking, right. Uh, as being good or bad or, or hard or easy or whatever mm-hmm. it is, mm-hmm. but we're looking at it through various times. So when you were first drinking in university, you haven't accumulated. So there could be really bad times where you wake up in a panic, mm-hmm. but you hadn't accumulated necessarily a whole bunch of times mm-hmm. of continuous panics that, that all you, add up that make it work. Right. Yeah, so, so you're true. looking at it from the end of your drinking, going, Oh my God, you know, it was really bad because it was bad enough for you to quit. But mm-hmm. when you're trying to describe it there, the you can look back and see, Oh, I was really messy, but maybe, um, you know, the weight of all that shame. Mm-hmm. which I think becomes cumulative. 
Yeah. Right. Because no, you're you right, keep, Mom. Well, it does because you keep doing the thing that you say in the morning. Oh my God, I don't can't want do, to that do that again. again. Yeah. I don't want to feel like that again. Next time I go out and drink, I'm only going to do this or I'm only going to. And then you don't, you do it again. And mm. so it becomes this. It becomes so much worse. Oh, yeah. The weight of it, right? Of repeating this thing you don't want to do and you can't seem to stop doing it and right so so I think like maybe that's why it feels funny you're trying to say yep it's like it was in the end it's that bad Mm -hmm. but it wasn't Mm -hmm. quite that bad back then Mm -hmm. it's like Mm -hmm. a a progressive thing that evolved and I think also the the thing too it's like four years of university and I'm like I can Mm -hmm. pinpoint like I can highlight a few of the bad times but then it's like yeah but that was also in a four-year span So it's hard. Yeah, yeah, it's hard. It's funny to try to to try to talk about sometimes and feel like you're properly conveying. Yeah, your experience. But you know what? It's how about you don't have to Mm -hmm. actually don't even have to. It it doesn't have to be a a good, a bad. It doesn't have to be. It's yeah. And you know, it's funny, the reason I only just brought up university and that sent Mm -hmm. me on a tangent of that is because I remember Mm -hmm. (laughs) coming back to you saying to us, like, have one or two, see how you feel. I remember like once I got into university, like totally scoffing at that and being like, oh my God, like mom says, have one or two. No one does that. Like, that's just not normal. That's not realistic. Like, everyone gets wasted. That's just what you do. Right. You're like a loser. (laughs) (laughs) So let me just have one or two. Uh, Sure. Like, no one does. Everyone is getting drunk. That is the name of the game. Uh, Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, I didn't want you to. But you Mm -hmm. did. And that's okay. But now look where we are. I know, right? Yeah. And that's why like I'm gl- <laughs> I'm glad that I had that I struggled with drinking. Mm-hmm. Like I really am. Mm-hmm. I'm very glad that I did cuz if I didn't I don't know, I just always feel like people who are normal drinkers miss out on like not on yeah. the on the drinking part but on the sobriety part. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz right? you have no reason it's- to quit if it's not a problem for you. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like um well, I know. I just think there's so much personal growth that comes with it, eh? Mm-hmm. With, exactly. With, like, yeah. Personal growth like, in the best way that you might not necessarily do. Exactly. Right? If yeah. you, yeah, 100%. <clears throat> yeah, but yeah, no, that whole like being bad enough or I wasn't that bad. I mm-hmm. think it's interesting even like now because of the, like because the conversation about alcohol is shifting. Like it really is. And it is becoming more mainstream thought of like the whole, you don't have to be an alcoholic to quit. Like you can quit for a lifestyle change, like the whole kind of like, you know, um, it's a spectrum. It's not just like normal drinker alcoholic um, is making people feel more empowered to quit Mm -hmm. before they hit a rock bottom. which was me. Like I struggled so much at first with my relationship with alcohol because in my mind I was like, I'm either, and I know we've had this conversation a thousand times, but like, Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm either, the question wasn't, should I quit drinking? The question was, am I an alcoholic? Because if Mm -hmm. I'm an alcoholic, then I have to quit drinking. If I'm not, then I don't. So when I heard it being talked about in that way of like, no, it exists on a spectrum, 
it's not that black and white. Then that was what empowered me to be like, oh my God, I can just take that question off the table and just decide to quit drinking. So I think a lot more people now are doing it that way where they're, they're catching it before they hit the rock bottom or they're feeling empowered to, to just quit if it's something they struggle with, but maybe they wouldn't have identified as an alcoholic. But with that, then I think comes the, like, I wasn't that bad. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. maybe I didn't need to do this. Maybe it was dramatic and like looking, looking back and, you know, over time you forget, (laughs) over time you forget how bad it was. And, and yeah, I think that, that Dell, that was why it really freed me, mom, when you, I just had this conversation recently, but like for the first few months of me trying to get sober, you didn't, you were just like a support. You were like listening as I kind of worked through it myself. But I remember when you finally said to me, maybe a couple months in when I was questioning it because people were saying, I was hearing it from other people. I don't think you were that bad. And when you finally said to me, I always, I knew you had a problem like that freed me. I was like, Oh Mm -hmm. my God, validation. Like I'm not imagining this. I'm not crazy. Like it was, um, but a lot of people don't have the person in their life who's going to say that. Like you were yeah. watching me through the lens of you've, you're you sober. So yeah, you yeah. are watching it differently than maybe someone whose people you're in their lives drinking. all drink. Yeah. And I always think like for me, the way that really helped me talk about it was like for people who would say you weren't that bad or I don't think you had a problem to just say like, well, it was wrecking my mental health. Yeah, Like it was making me feel this way. It gave me anxiety. It did this because other people are going to have an opinion on whether or not you have a problem. Like people have a definition of what a problem looks like. They have their idea of it. Maybe your drinking is similar to theirs. Like they're going to tell you whether or not they think you have one. But if you say alcohol made me anxious, alcohol made me depressed, alcohol made me hate myself. What are they going to say? No, it didn't. (laughs) Right, right, right. They can't. Like just being like, I'm the (laughs) only one. No. Mm -hmm. And just being like, I'm the only one who had to wake up in the morning in my own head after a night of drinking. Like no one else lived that. Yeah. That's really good, Maddie. And I think like when you just said um, again about, oh, like am I being dramatic? You Mm -hmm. know, wondering. I was like, isn't it funny? Because, you know, we can make other decisions about our health. Like we can recognize, cut out meat, like, cut out freaking gluten, like all that stuff. That's right. So we trauma. can decide I need to like exercise more. I haven't been taking care of like just my cardio. Nobody goes, well, you're being dramatic. So we, don't, we don't sit there and question, oh, did I overreact? Because mm-hmm. I, I think I need to exercise more. I'm cutting out gluten. I'm Like we beat ourselves up because it's framed in such a different way. Way. It's There's so much more stigmatized because it's yeah. like, mm-hmm. oh, if I'm cutting out drinking, I'm admitting that I have a problem and there's right. shame in that. Whereas like having a, yeah, having a, a gluten yeah. intolerance or dairy or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Is, and, is either. and who cares? And yeah. it's not even just that there's like shame in it if I have a problem with alcohol, but there are, there's so much pressure around because people who drink aren't comfortable uh, Yes, I mean I know I'm generalizing, but right. I'm just people, people who, who drink are a lot in drinking, people are big are drinkers, comfortable with people who aren't drinking. Where mm-hmm. somebody who you know, yeah, stops eating meat, or you know what I mean, like not <laughs> comfortable with somebody's dietary choice, mm-hmm. right? 
So, it, yeah, it's interesting. It's a loaded one, eh? I know someone who literally will be like, I'm allergic to alcohol. <laughs> it doesn't work for me. Uh, yeah. Oh, you can say that too. Kind of it, right? Yeah, Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's so true, mom. Like cutting Mm -hmm. out anything else because it's just not working for you anymore. Yeah. You don't think, you don't question, am I being dramatic? And you know something else I like to say too is that like if you're, you know, however many – months or days whatever down the line and you're obsessing like was I really that bad maybe I could drink again like I've made it this far maybe that means I don't have a problem like if you're having those obsessive thoughts about whether you can drink again that's probably your very indication that it is problematic for you because if you were just a normal drinker who was like meh don't want to do it anymore gonna cut it out and you you, it wasn't a problem. You wouldn't be obsessing thinking. over it. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't yeah. be thinking and thinking and thinking about it. Exactly. Yeah. So even like the thoughts that say, maybe I wasn't that bad. Maybe I could drink again are actually just further evidence yeah. of what the relationship of alcohol yes. with alcohol is like. Yes. Yes. And how difficult it is to not have it in your life. Like how much you rely on it. Right. When you're mm-hmm. thinking about it and thinking about it, you want it back because you want some kind of relief. You want some kind of mm-hmm. something from it. Right. Yeah. And so, like if you're struggling without mm-hmm. it, that shows that you had a dependence on some yeah. level. It might not have been a physical dependence, but like yeah. a mental, emotional mental. one. Yeah. 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 I know. Good point, sweetie. Mm, Truly. Thanks. But yeah, I feel like I'm glad we even had this conversation because I feel like I don't think I saw like when I was feeling that imposter syndrome, I don't think I saw anyone talking about it at that point or putting it in that way. And I feel like it can even help to just be able to like name something. Like for me, even like when I was going through my grieving process and I don't think I even realized I was, it wasn't until I read an acquitlet saying like you grieve alcohol that I was like, oh my God, that's what's going on for me right now. Like I'm grieving and it made so much sense. And then it helped because I could name it. And when those feelings came up, I could just be like, this is my grieving process. Like I'm going through my grief. And I feel like with this, if you're feeling like maybe I wasn't bad enough. I don't think I belong in the sober community because I wasn't as bad as that person or I didn't hit a rock bottom to just be like, this is just my sober imposter syndrome. And most people go through it. Like, yeah, yeah. I think think most people feel that. Yeah, I do too. And I think just sort of identifying, oh yeah, that's what it is. And it's not true. Mm -hmm. Right? Like it's not true. It's, It's just realizing just because you're thinking the thought, it doesn't make it a fact right it's not a gospel truth it's just a thought you're thinking yeah and it's a really normal part of the process yeah and so yeah just sort of knowing that oh this is imposter syndrome stage this is Mm -hmm. grief stage this is imposter syndrome stage you know yeah Yeah. and I think something too like if you're saying was I that bad or was I bad enough Mm -hmm. add on to the end of that question for me was I bad enough for me yeah yeah obviously you work because you're here yeah 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 like there's no bad enough that's not an objective thing Yeah. right there's no level or outside thing that that can tell you whether or not you were it's just your own lived experience it's how it made you feel it's how it was affecting you yes so if you can just add take out of my was i bad enough say was i bad enough for me and like remember remember how it was affecting you Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah like that's, that's all there was. Good, if Betty. the only consequence is your emotional consequence, if that is the only consequence, if no one ever thought you had a problem, if nothing ever happened ever, if you never did anything wrong while you were drunk, I mean, 
you know, everyone has done something, but like, (laughs) even if you never did, and if your only consequence was internal, yeah, that's enough. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Right. It, it, and if you're suffering, if it's killing you, there's your answer. Exactly. There's your little nugget of truth. And look at you, mom, you caught it before, before it really had many consequences for you on the outside. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're 40 Um, years. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Do you agree with that statement or you had, do you feel like you had some already? I feel like I did a lot of things. Oh, I can still share with the class. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> spill the tea <laughs> let's add a segment tea time yeah. with mom <laughs> yeah no I can still think of some I can still think of things that I did and just ugh. and cringe yes yeah yes, all these yeah. years later so I you know it's I certainly did a lot of things that were caused me a lot of suffering mm-hmm. so um yeah, I didn't, but I didn't have the, you know, my God, I was young. I wasn't married. I didn't have kids. I wasn't, you know, ruining. Mm-hmm. I mean, I certainly put my parents through the ringer, but mm-hmm. I, you know, wasn't um, like disrupting a marriage or, you know, ruining my kids or certainly didn't lose a job. I mean, I came close once because I didn't come back to work because I was mm-hmm. drinking at lunchtime, but um at lunchtime, is that what you just said? Yeah, <laughs> they loved <laughs> they loved me enough to catch me. But um, yeah, anyhow, I um, yeah, whatever. That's I'm not going to go down on that road. But <laughs> so I was young. It's a good thing I was young when I started. Yeah. I hate to think where I would have ended up. Had oh I, my gosh! Had I not right? But for right. anybody, like yeah, like don't don't extend your suffering. Don't extend your suffering if you're suffering. If you suffer now, yeah, you, yeah, you can end it, right? Oh, I love that, mom. Because mm-hmm. it's so it's it's not it doesn't get better mm-hmm. <laughs> if you keep drinking. Yeah, it doesn't lessen; it yeah. just increases. So if you're yeah. feeling it now, like even just think, like even if that helps you reframe, though, was I that bad? Was I that bad yeah. yet? Yeah, right. That's a good one too, Maddie. Right? Like, that's a good just reframe that. Do you really it to those two. Yeah. 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 Do you want to wait until you are? Do you want to yeah. wait until you, you know, have a big drunk buck up or, you know, wreck yeah. a relationship or a, like whatever? Yeah. If yeah. you're feeling it now, there's so much to be said. There's so much power in choosing to catch it early. There's power mm-hmm. in catching it at any stage, obviously. Yeah. There's power in coming back from a rock bottom, but there's a lot of power in seeing it and doing something about it before it gets to that point. Yeah. Yes. And so even like, I love to see mom that you felt that imposter syndrome for a good few years. Yeah. Like I don't belong here. And now miss 40 years sober. 40 years. yeah, Sober queen. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't think I'm a sober queen, but you are. I'm sober. Yeah. And a queen. And I love my life. And I don't really think about it. I don't really think about the fact that I'm sober until you and I start talking. Until we get on a podcast recording. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How happy is that? Mm -hmm. I know, right? Do you feel anything when you watch someone else pour a drink or you're at like a an event like what's your thought is it just like you don't even literally think about it or are you like thank god that's not me or are you like 
What's your thought process at 40 years sober when you're around alcohol? Yeah. Um, I don't really think about it. I think those little moments where I am thinking about it is when I see somebody who's a bit of a mess. Mm. Right. Or, um, and then I'm, I'm always like, Oh, thank God. Thank God. That's not, you know, that would have been me. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I don't think about it. Like, I mean, I don't think about it in like, oh, I could never think I wish I could have a dream. Mm. You know, when people are pouring drink, I don't think about it. I think the probably, and I've, I know we've talked about this before and I've said this before, but probably the, the um, first emotion I think, or the first feeling I often experience, if I'm going to be experiencing something is I always feel proud. Mm. Like I always feel so proud when I'm in a room and there's a bunch of people, you know, if, if they're pouring drinks, if like my most common feeling is I'm just proud of who I am. I'm mm-hmm. proud that I don't need that. I'm proud that it's, it's, it's something I don't do. It's like, I'm so proud that I'm so comfortable with who I am and the person I am that I don't need to pick that up. Like, yeah. Because I think it was something that, you know, once upon a time I had to do, I was so uncomfortable in my skin. I couldn't yeah. imagine being in a social setting without drinking. Like I just couldn't. I just was not comfortable with myself, with who yeah. I was, with what I had to say, with how I did anything. And mm. so that little drink, like, quieted all that chaos and panic in me, right? Mm. It just, mm-hmm. yeah. And so I don't need that anymore. Yeah. I'll never have to do that again, right? Oh, I how good is that? so comfortable with myself. So I think I always feel, because it was so bad, um, uh, like, throughout my, you know, teens, and, um, which is not nasty time anyways for most people mm-hmm. but it was just I I struggled and so I think to be in a place always I don't feel that way anymore like it's never lost on me mm. just never lost on me yeah I, I love that yeah yeah so good mom yeah mm-hmm. that I don't have to feel that way again it is the most comforting thought ever yeah. even for yeah. when you're struggling or missing drinking to remember the suffering it caused and being like I never have to feel that Uh, yeah and you will get to the place where you really love the person you are right where you just become so comfortable with yourself yeah I mean that's the that's the best of the best right so good yeah Yep. When do you think yeah. that shift happened for you, mom? I know timelines are so hard. Yeah. They, um, I would say like one thing I know for sure um, is around my five years, I was really comfortable with who I was. Mm. Um, I like, yeah, I know that I, I was very comfortable around five years because I have a little thing. There was a, like a, a, a marker for me, um, <clears throat> like something that uh, happened that, um, you know, I realized, oh, I'm really comfortable with myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I know for sure at the five-year mark, like I might've, I might've been feeling comfortable 
you know, prior to that, but for sure I, I have that fiber mark in my mind as a note of like a noted thing. And I was yeah. Yeah. But I say like, uh, you know, I mean, like when I say comfortable, I was comfortable for sure not drinking. Um, but you know, the work uh, on myself was really coming to a place where I'm completely like at peace with myself and, um, uh, you know, like all those sort of pieces of self-worth, like that's was an ongoing uh, progressive journey, right? With lots of therapy and lots mm-hmm. of, you know, throughout, mm-hmm. throughout my years. So I don't want to give the impression to anybody that because I'm just happened. Self-worth was a, a you know, a, a, like a struggle for me. Yeah. And, um, which was, you know, just an ongoing process in my, uh, in my life but um yeah 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 but so, how good to just know like that f- at five years sober you realized you felt so much more comfortable with yourself and then now 40 freaking years sober yeah. alcohol's not a thought you're so proud of who you are like mm-hmm. that's the mm-hmm. thing about sobriety is that like yeah it's freaking hard to do but like mm-hmm. the better it gets the better it gets and drinking yeah. gets worse like yeah. you stay there, it is getting worse. Yeah. Yeah. You get sober. Maybe life feels worse at first because it's such yeah. a big change and you're missing drinking, but like yeah. your life will get better. Yeah. Yeah. It can get so much better as long as you're willing to, to see it that way and to like see yeah. sobriety as a positive thing in your life and to take advantage of all the opportunity that comes with getting sober yeah. to make yeah. your life better. And that Maddie, that's such a key thing because I do think that's everything. Cause you know, mm-hmm. there's people who get sober and they don't choose to see it as a benefit. Yeah. They, like they don't see it as a gain. They see it as a loss. As a loss. And yeah. They stay stuck there. Right. Yeah. But if you can just, start to look at everything that's good about it or find look for it find it find those little mm-hmm. tiny tiny things like it really will like that then becomes the perspective the lens that you start to see everything through right yeah and you know what you focus on expands what you mm-hmm. focus on always gets bigger and bigger and bigger and so mm-hmm. focus on the positive and I promise you it will snowball right it just will it will snowball you'll start like beautiful little uh, miracles just start like you know getting sprinkled into your day like it's mm-hmm. just it is everything and so if you stay in this this sucks I hate this I can't do this I'm so uncomfortable I miss it like whatever the the narrative is in your head about what's what's hard and terrible about sobriety right that will grow too so mm-hmm. be really be really 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 deliberate about how you're going to choose to think about it because that's the result you're going to get that's what's going to bloom that's what's going to grow right yeah Yeah. so good mom i love that and to remember that it's okay to be in that place at first and be grieving that loss right but to not like you said to not stay there like we want to we want to let ourselves feel that so we can move through it yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and then but we get it. We get to choose. So, you know, we always get to choose like what, how we think about things as a choice. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. right? I think that's just so critical to realize. Like, I get to choose what I want to think about. I get to choose, which isn't, again, like, I'm never talking about just gloss over. Like, it's important to to feel how we Mm -hmm. feel. But even Mm -hmm. in that moment, right? Like, even in that moment, or feel your feelings, and then reach for something that's something a little bit better. Just something yeah. that you can hold on to. Something gives you a bit of relief. Yeah, right? Yeah, and and nurture that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So good, Mom. Hey, love bugs. So Aww, fun so to fun. see you, especially when you're not here. I know. Yeah, We're recording this so. in different – I'm in Denver for this recording yeah. right now. Yeah. Yeah, you're back so. home, but we're going to do another one soon. Do you know why? When? I don't think I've been told you that we're doing this yet, but because yeah. I'm like two ish weeks away from my three years. So oh, we're going to have to record an episode for that. Nice. Well, milestone episode. It's not 40, but <laughs> it's got three. 37 on me. It's three. <laughs> you know what? I always think those early ones are the most powerful because mm. particularly too, like, you know, people are like three years. That feels possible. But 40 right. feels like unfathomable. Don't even talk to, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. I, I always think, I always think like, especially for new people, people with uh, even a couple of days ahead of them is mm-hmm. way more powerful than somebody who's got 30 or 40 years. Right. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. yeah, that's so out of reach. So three years. I mean, both are powerful and yeah. different ways well listen a day is powerful it's yeah powerful. true it's the first true the first step right yeah That's you that. know what's so funny speaking of yeah. freaking imposter syndrome sorry i know we're wrapping yeah. up but someone no. someone recently commented on my instagram and said i'm only on two days so i i think she even used the word imposter she said i'm only on two days so i feel like a bit of an imposter commenting on a sober page but yeah you know right? it's like you that is that is like the number one thing where people are going to jump to support you because we've all right? been we've all had a day one that's where right? every single person starts is with a day one yeah and yeah. you belong maybe even a little bit extra you belong to us right? when you're on it's day like one critical. <laughs> it's critical it's yeah. critical like well, that day one is everything yeah everything yeah. is the most important day mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. yeah 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 Anyways. No. everyone everyone belongs is the the moral of this episode yeah no matter where you got to no matter what day you're on no matter what you're here and you don't want to drink yeah yeah did or didn't do yeah yeah then one of us (laughs) (laughs) well thanks honey Ben. thanks mom oh fun and yeah you'll be back i think in like two two three weeks for for that little episode be here Yay. Happy to cheer you on and so <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, feel free to share it with a friend or share it on social media. Rate, review, subscribe. You can also subscribe to my weekly newsletter at happiestsober.com and follow me on Instagram at happiestsober. New episodes come out every Tuesday, so I'll chat with you next week. Remember that life's happiest when you're Sober. (laughs) Sober. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Addiction impacts all of us. Addiction's consequences run through all of us. 
from ourselves to our loved ones and through our communities, addiction creates so much loss and grief. My name is Dwayne Osterlin, and I'm the host of the Addicted Mind podcast, a show featuring personal stories, expert guests, and vital information about addiction and addiction recovery. We'll talk with leading treatment providers to discuss the latest research and treatment options for this devastating disease and advocate for mental health awareness. We discuss topics like the importance of creating a community of support to helping loved ones to some of the latest research on psychedelic medicines. The Addicted Mind podcast has been about creating hope, listening to stories of many amazing people that have overcome addiction and are thriving. If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, subscribe to the Addicted Mind podcast wherever you get your podcasts or check out theaddictedmind.com. New episodes every Monday. See you there.